It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. Welcome in to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 25, believe it or not, and we are calling this one winning ugly. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mullion Haw Show on 670, the score, of course, your radio home for Cubs baseball. The guys are on from 5.30 until 10. I warm things up between 5 and 10, and as or 5 and 5.30. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, good afternoon. How the heck you doing? I'm doing good, Dustin. Excited to be here. You can follow me on my Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670 and on Facebook, FlyTheW. And email us anytime you like, FlyTheW at 670 at gmail.com. Yeah, any questions you have, hit Crowley up on that account. Please do that for sure. All right, Crowley. So the Cubs are on their way to Ball. Baltimore, short flight I'm getting from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where the Cubs would take two of three from the Nationals. Let's uh, start out, though, with game one, and that was the Marcus Stroman-Josiah Gray game. Yeah, if you remember on the last podcast, I kind of talked about this was the one that had me a little bit nervous. I saw Josiah Gray when he pitched uh, the week before against the uh, Cubs in the bleachers. I was there watching him. And this is this one had me nervous. I don't know why. And, and right away, Ian Happ continues his hot streak. He homers to give the Cubs a one nothing lead. Uh, Seiya Suzuki's going to single. Fran Mil Reyes. We're going to talk about him plenty, but he triples to right, so the Cubs are up two nothing. And the Franimal was released this series. Unbelievable. Top of the fifth, Ian Happ homers again, so the Cubs have a nice three nothing lead, and everything's looking good. And Zach McKinstry, who made a couple plays. On defense, I, I, I jinxed this. I said on Twitter, ah, Zach McKinstry looks like a great pickup, you know, and really good pickup. And again, it doesn't mean he's not, <laughs> but but right off, right after I say that, in the bottom of the fifth, he has a throwing error, so Lane Thomas reaches. Um, and then Ildemaro Vargas, former Cub, and Cesar Hernandez, both singles. He had the bases loaded, no outs. And Stroman gets a big strike out of Joey Menses, who just looks really, really good. But then Luke Voigt grounds into a tailor-made double play to McKinstry, 
and he double clutches, and they only get the out at second. Thomas scores. The lead's 3-1. Yadiel Hernandez singles. Vargas scores. Cubs lead's now 3-2. And Ross runs out, and he gets Mark Leiter on the mound. So he pulls Stroman in the fifth, and Leiter gives up a double to Nelson Cruz. Washington leads 4-3. Top of the sixth, though, one out. Nico Horner's doubles. McKinstry pops out. David Martinez comes to take Josiah Gray out. But Gray, the whole time, has the glove over his mouth. He's saying, nope, let me stay, coach. Give me the ball. Don't pull me out. And Davey Martinez goes with him, and he gets Patrick Wisdom to strike out swing, and he's pumped up. Top of the seventh, one out. Magical doubles. Wilson flies out. Ian walks. Suzuki singles off the uh, – deflects off the shortstop. And Magical scores. So the game's tied in four. You get into the bottom of the eighth. Brandon Hughes, who's looked so good for the Cubs – but Nelson Cruz dips into the fountain of youth, gets a home run, and that's going to be the difference. Cubs lose 5-4. to four. Stroman went 4.2 innings, gave up six hits, four runs, zero of them earned. Initially, they called that a hit on that double clutch. They changed it later, so none of the runs were earned. One walk and four Ks. The offense had four runs, seven hits, 17 total bases, seven left on base, and Dustin, the famous Rispy, one for ten with runners there in scoring position. There we go. Position. Good old Rispy, one for ten. Yeah, that 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 was really that was really bothersome. Um, you alluded to it earlier, um, Crowley, about Ross running out. You can running out to get Marcus Stroman, and that's something that we'll have to talk about before we get out of game one here. Yeah, as far as the Nationals, Gray went six innings pitch, five hits, three runs, two walks, ten Ks. The offense had five runs on eight hits, thirteen total bases. Three for 11 with runners in scoring position, but Nelson Cruz was two for four with three RBIs. Yeah, and that was the first um, Cruz home run for the Nationals, I think, since early July. And so, as you mentioned, finding a little bit of the fountain of youth. So that was a great uh, catch by you. He has not done much since he uh, landed in Washington. And as, as we were talking about, Josiah Gray convinces his manager to give him one more batter. And I was reading after the game, apparently David Ross went to look for Stroman, apologize, and talk to the media, quote, I probably took him out, honestly, one batter too soon. And so it was kind of a, a couple of bizarre things happened here. There was a pitch con malfunction in the fourth that mm-hmm. kind of, you could tell, kind of threw Stroman off a little bit. And the pitch con wasn't working. So they're going the pitch con, in case the listeners are not aware, that's the device that the pitchers, the catchers, the shortstop, the second baseman all wear in their ear and 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 wilson the catcher can signal and there was malfunction so wilson's going with the fingers but it you could see that stroman was uncomfortable and he's there stroman's looking at the dugout hey is it fixed yet what's going on and finally um it was magical who realizes i got one here just take mine and that kind of calmed things down but it was interesting to see the difference between davy martinez a veteran manager trusting his pitcher to get looking a guy at the eye and, and, and trusting him. Marcus Stroman after the game said there's been times where he's done that in the past and then he's kind of gotten ripped for it. So he's like, I'm just going to let the manager do what they want. But right away, I think Ross realized he was wrong on that one. Yeah, it was a close call. Obviously, when it goes against you, it's easy to second guess exactly what Ross did or didn't do in that situation. But the, the pitch count was a little bit high and was – in the favor of Ross going to get him out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and the thing I've noticed the most about Stroman, he reminds me a lot of you, Darvish, in the way that it, his stuff is so good and so sick, but sometimes I feel like, you know, kind of like sometimes just go after the batter. You know what I mean? 
like pitch counts always seem to be elevated like fifth sixth inning like really high yeah that's a good that's a good that's a good observation and a good comparison i was i was a little bit worried when you said reminds you of you darvish but uh, i'm glad i didn't jump you right away and i'm glad i agree with what <laughs> i agree with what you said there crowley yeah and so you know you take the loss and then I was excited about game two because I'm like, Justin Seal versus Patrick Corbin. Absolutely, Cubs are taking this one. Corbin with the seven-plus ERA, no problem. This one had to go extras, and the Cubs did win seven to five and 11. But it was one of those wins that you take it, but you just don't feel great about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, didn't feel fantastic about it, but anytime, Crowley, anytime we get to fly the W, especially after somebody <clears throat> predicted a sweep, <laughs> and that wasn't going to happen. He at least needed to get the uh, the second leg so he could be on his way for at least two out of three. Yeah, in the top of the second, uh, Franimal singles, Horner singles, Velasquez doubles, so Reyes scores. Horner is held up, which I thought was bizarre. Higgins strikes out swinging, and Morrell pops out to first. So that's frustrating because you had Horner there at third and one out and couldn't score. Higgins has done a really good job. Morrell has scuffled a lot lately. Um, but it, it was just a, a weird hold, in my opinion. You're talking about the bottom of the order, and, and you're not gonna you're not gonna let Nico run it out. I don't know. I thought it was kind of bizarre. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I did, and it's it's one of those things. You know, last last podcast, Crawley, we were talking about they were being a little bit too aggressive, right? And maybe that maybe there has been a conversation to to slow it down a notch, if you will. Maybe you got to find that sweet spot. I think you don't mm-hmm. want to be too aggressive, and you don't want to be too passive. And I feel like right now they're kind of in between and they're not really i don't know uh, they're right they're know, like they're it's like they're riding the brake yeah it's just kind of bizarre so you know in the top of the they only got one run out of that and that, that's going to come you know come back later top of the fourth suzuki walks reyes lines out nico horner doubles Seiya scores and so the cubs are up to nothing velasquez grounds out higgins singles horner scores and the cubs are up three nothing everybody's feeling good top of the six for reyes with a homer to right Cubs are up Reyes, baby. Nothing. Reyes, Reyes, Reyes. Unbelievable. So He's very bot- exciting right now. He, he is just a gigantic man, and he is hitting the ball hard. Bottom of the six, Victor Robles walks. Joey Menenza singles. There's a throwing error by Justin Steele. I don't know why he was trying to pick the runner off at second. It was awful. And then Voight lines out. Nelson Cruz has a sacrifice slide, so the Cubs' lead is 4-1. to one. Steele strikes out Lane Thomas to end the threat, and he was pumped up, and it was good to see. Yep, yep, absolutely good to see. He he had a he had a fan, he had an overall fantastic outing. Bottom of the second, Eric Erlman comes in, season Hernandez doubles, CJ Abrams strikes out, Kbar Ruiz singles, Hernandez to third, Ildemaro Vargas just haunted the Cubs. He singles, Hernandez scores, Ruiz to third, Cubs leads cut in half in four to two. And this is another thing that I kind of scratched my head with David Ross a little bit. He goes in to get Rowan Wick, and you're looking at like an eight-out save here at this point. And so with that right there, he gets Wick in and Yadiel Hernandez singles and the ball deflects off Wick, which is one of those things that Sutcliffe called out. Look, if you're going to make the catch, great. If not, let your that would have been an easy double play. But he does get out of it by getting Joey Menenses to ground into a double play the next batter. So no damage done. But I don't like Rowan Wick in multiple innings. And every time he does that, it, it just – some guys can do it, some guys can't. If you remember um, – or all this Chapman, not comparing obviously with the Chapman, but he's another guy that just really didn't like being used without a clean inning or for multiple innings. And I see, feel the same way with Rowan Wick. He's got really good stuff. He comes in the bottom of the eighth, 
and Luke Voigt with a leadoff homer. The lead's four to three. Nelson Cruz grounds out. Then Lane Thomas homers. You got a, a tie game. Sean Newcomb comes in. He strikes out CJ Abrams, but then he walks the Ruiz and Vargas. So you got the bases loaded, and he gets Yadiel Hernandez to ground out. You're in the tenth. Hap is the Manford man on second. McKinstry singles. Hap's at third. You got runners at the corner. Ortega grounds into a force outfielded by Hernandez, and there's a collision. McKinstry collides with Hernandez. They're both. He's kind of coming into the path. They collide. And so McKinstry's called out. Hap has to come back. He, he scored. He has to come back to third. And so with one out, Magical is hit by the pitch. Contreras hits a sack fly. He does what he's supposed to do. We've been critical of him striking out in big moments. He makes contact. The, the run scores. The Cubs are up 5-4. But for absolutely no reason at all, Rafael Ortega gets caught off second and he's tagged out. So that's an inning-ending double play. No reason for him to be caught off like that. No, and I understand, and I can hear the, the how upset you are. And it's kind of like, why are we still playing around with Rafael Ortega? Not a bad guy, but again, Rafael Ortega, there, there's no development there. And I'm not missing like an injury, right? And don't, I don't want to hear that he's taking the place of uh, Jason Hayward or anything like that. I just don't understand the the overuse of Rafael Ortega. If you're looking to do something like we're going to get into in Game 3 where you're kind of resting people, fine. But uh, Rafael Ortega, other than an injury pinch hit situation or something like that, that this was this was not a situation I would want to see him in again. Absolutely I, not. I, I'm, I'm tired of him taking it bats away from Velasquez. Let that kid get more at bats. Uh, Christopher Morell, where's he? You know, he, I know he's been struggling, but he's not going to work his way out of it on the bench. No, that, 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 that's, that's right. He's not going to work his way out of it on the bench. And this is where you wonder. This is where you start to wonder, Crowley. And, and uh, let's just get into this right now because we're talking about it. So I want to get into it. You know, how much do you think, like David Ross? Do you think David Ross makes the lineup every day? Do you think there's any input from? The I, front I was, office from Hawkins or, and or from Jed? I hope not. Um, I, I think there probably is some. Um, in the second segment, I'm going to give plenty of kudos to Jed, but if he is, whoever's making these decisions on this, there's no point in Rafael Ortega taking one more at bat for the Cubs. They have plenty of guys at AAA that can come up. You're not in a division race. You're nothing. It's all about development, and you're, you're just wasting time. And Jesus Christ, if you're going to be, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're going to take, if you're going to be in there, then don't make stupid plays. If you're teaching young kids and showing them how to be a professional, don't get tagged off a second for no good reason in extra innings. How about that one? You right. Know, just and he can't be ex- he can't be exhausted or anything like that. There's absolutely no excuses for it. It's just it just his head wasn't in the game. Top of the 10th, Brandon Hughes pitching. Lane Thomas strikes out. Cesar Hernandez strikes out. C.J. Abrams singles. Saya nearly throws out the courtesy runner. Just miss it. So Ali Cal scores. He was that runner at second. So the game's tied at five. So potentially that play by Ortega, I mean, that, that could have cost him the game. And in the top of the 11th, luckily, Wisdom doubles. Contreras was the man on second. And so he scores. A wild pitch moves Wisdom to third. Say a single, so the Cubs are up seven to five. Couple things here about this game. I've already ripped into Ortega and a little bit into Ross so far. I just do not get for the life of me why Ian Happ, after he hits two homers the previous game, why would you take him out against Patrick Corbin? Did you think he you had enough to win without him? You know, I would have given him the day game off. You know, that's what I would have done. I don't. I'm trying to figure this out. 
Yeah, I, I guess I, it's a great. We have to get Ortega at bats. I, I, you know, just to your point, I, I don't, I don't have an answer for you there. I don't. And you know, the funny thing is, is that the Ortega play didn't get like overworked on the Mullier and Haw show, and really overworked on six seventy because you know the Cubs will end up winning this game. So that's why something like that doesn't get overworked. But I'm glad that we're bringing attention to it right now. The other thing we got to bring attention to is that tenth inning where Wilson hits the sack fly. When he's coming back to the dugout, he's getting in a fight with the fan, a verbal altercation. He has to be restrained by his coaches and teammates. And I'm, I'm like, what in the heck's going on? I'm watching this. It looks like he's getting an argument with like a 13-year-old. I, it was, it was the most. Yeah, I couldn't tell. I saw that, but I didn't. I couldn't really see the, the the fan who exactly it was. So I wasn't sure about that part. But he was, he was hot. And so the fan gets escorted out. You see him get escorted out of the game. And he's like this kid with this big puffy hairdo and the hat to the side. I'm like, I'm like, this is the guy you're getting, you know, apparently the kid said something in Spanish about his family. We don't know what. And my understanding, I think uh, Megan Montemuro reported out earlier, who's been on the podcast before that that fan has been, and, and somebody else has been banned five years. Oh, I don't wow. know what was said. I don't know what happened, but you're, again, you are a veteran leader. You're in an extra inning game, whatever. Keep keep your head cool. That's that kind of irritated me. Right, and that might be part of another one of the check marks against Wilson Contreras when the guys are doing a little whiteboarding on whether or not they want to give him five years and a hundred million dollars. Steele went six innings pitch. He, he gave up five hits, one run, two walks, five K. So really good start for Steele. Um, but six bullpen arms had to be used. They gave up. Uh, the Cubs got seven runs on ten hits. 16 total bases, five left on base, five for 10 with runners in scoring Ooh, position. Ooh, look at that. Look what happens when you go 50% on that. Well, but again, I, I got to double check on this. I believe that includes the man for man runners because that's a man in scoring position. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we'll give him a hat tip on that. Reyes was two for five with a homer and Horner with three for four with a double. The Nationals, Corbin, six, five innings pitch, six hits, four runs, two walks, three Ks. I thought they should have done better against him. Five bullpen arms used, five runs on 13 hits, 21 total bases. Um, they left 11 men on base, four for 16 with runners in scoring position. Cesar Hernandez went three for five and had a big game. Yeah, so the Cubs got to fly the W. That was the most important thing. Other things that I take away, uh, Reyes, the homer, Horner, staying hot. Nice outing for Justin Steele. That takes us into the day game, game three. We had Drew Smiley on the hill for the Cubs. On Wednesday afternoon, this one just wrapped up a little over an hour ago, Crowley. Yeah, Drew Smiley versus Corey Abbott, former Cub farmhand. And it was a getaway day lineup, old school getaway lineup. Uh, a lot of guys getting some rest here. Top of the second, Framo Reyes doubles, but he is stranded. But with that double, he tied a career high five games in a row with an extra base hit. So that's a career best for Reyes. Bottom of the second, one out. Kbart Ruiz doubles. Cesar Hernandez singles. Cubs trail one nothing. Bottom of the third, one out. Lane Thomas doubles. Joey Manessas was robbed of extra bases. A beautiful catch by Ian Happ that I think took away a homer, at least extra bases, and saved some runs. So great job on Ian. His defense has looked so much better this year. Takes us to the top of the fifth. Ortega walks. Wisdom pops out to third. Gomes flies out to center. Two outs. The unlikely hero, P.J. Higgins, with the two-run homer. Cubs lead two to one. Nice to see. Bottom of the six, Lane Thomas flies out. Joey Manessas, God, that guy looks so good. He doubles. Eric Ullman replaces Smiley. Voigt singles on a soft ground ball. Nelson Cruz 
Browns to Horner. He was moving to third. It was a tough play, so he was throwing away from his from from uh, second base. They get Boyd out at second, but Cruz reaches safely. Manessas scores, and the game's tied at two. That was a really tough play. Good try by Nico. But in the bottom of the top of the second, Framil Reyes hits a ground rule double. Velasquez and Wisdom strike out swinging, but Jan Gomes with the clutch two out single. Cubs lead three to two. Some really cl- again two out clutch hits by P.J. Higgins and Gomes to give the Cubs the lead and the win, and to have their fourth series win in a row. I'll be honest with you, Crowley. It's fantastic that they won the game. It's fantastic they've won four series in a row. But those two names, the two offensive heroes of the game, P.J. Higgins and Jan Gomes, I'm saying to myself when I read that on Twitter, I said, why are those two guys in the same game? Right? I mean, that, that that's what I'm saying. Okay, you want to play Jan Gomes? Okay, fine. He calls a good game. You want to play P.J. Higgins and see what he can do behind the plate? Perfect day for that. But I don't know about P.J. Higgins and Jan Gomes in, but they bailed David Ross out because those are two guys that I thought, hmm, I don't know if you need those two guys in a lineup that also includes Rafael Ortega. Absolutely. And you want to see more Chris Morell at third, hopefully. And, and that was an opportunity to keep wisdom I mean, I think it's probably just he's just looking at rest and looking at the schedule. You have like, what, 30, 31 games in 30 days. It's a lot. But Drew Smiley saved him. Here's the thing. I was shocked, and I know he didn't have that good start in San Francisco right before the trade deadline. Drew Smiley in August, 2-0, 106 ERA, 17 Ks to three walks in 17 innings. You don't think that would have helped the contender? Would have, could have, should have, right? Would have, could have, should have. I wonder what they could have gotten for him if he would have been a little bit better a little sooner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. My name is Dustin Rhodes. Of course, we're always joined by my good buddy Crowley. This is season one. It is episode number 25. We call this one Winning Ugly. The Cubs take two of three from the Nationals, so two out of three ain't bad. That's for sure. We're going to move over, Crowley, to a prospect list. A new prospect list is out, and we've got some great numbers for the up-and-comers on the Cubs' next good-slash-great team. Let's uh, let's take it through it for our listeners, Crowley. So Jed Hoyer's gotten a lot of heat, right? He comes in and no extensions for all the players that we love and guys getting cut here and there, and he's, he's taken a beating. And you know what? He gets paid the big dollars to do it. But what I want to point to Cub fans really clearly here is that this team, Jed is making his mark on his team. And I said this before that he may actually, as much crap as he's taken from the fans, he may be putting this team on a good pathway for the success. I've been watching the minors very closely. We'll talk a little bit more about Myrtle Beach, or I'm sorry, South Bend later. But Myrtle Beach won the first half of the uh, season. So the minor leagues, they divide their postseasons in halves. If you listen to our last broadcast with Max Toma, he kind of explained it really well. The first half winner takes on the second half winner in your division, and, and that's how it goes. Um, but Myrtle Beach won the first half. Uh, right now, South Bend is in first place, and they are making a run to be in the postseason there. Tennessee's making a postseason run. 
there's good teams here. And those good teams and this prospect ranking has Jed's fingerprints all over it. So if we're going to criticize him, then he needs to get credit where credit is due. So the new farm prospect rankings came out. We have a new number one, and that is Pete Crow Armstrong, outfielder, who was acquired last season in the Javi Baez trade. The previous, uh, the early season number one, Brendan Davis moved to number two. Obviously, you know, he was injured, but he was picked in the 2018 draft. But the number three is Kevin Alcantara, outfielder acquired in the Anthony Rizzo trade. So number four, Cade Horton, you got as a starting pitcher in the 2022 draft. So a lot of people are kind of like, who, Oklahoma, what? That kid's already number four up there. He's high on a lot of people's list. And then number five is Jordan Wicks, who they got in the 2021 draft. Number six is Christian Hernandez, a shortstop who the Cubs signed with the international draft in 2021. When you talk about the international draft, that's where the Cubs got Eloy Jimenez. That's where the Cubs got Glebar Torres. And Christian Hernandez may be the next in that kind of, that you're going to put in that group of names right there. Number seven, Ben Brown, starting pitcher. We got him from the Phillies in the David Robertson trade this season. Number eight, Jackson Ferris. He's a starting pitcher. They got him in this 22-22 draft. People were asking, why did they grab Cade Horton? They liked what they saw, and they knew they could get him for under slot. So each player has a certain amount of dollars that you can allocate. And so you can pay people under slot, which means you'll have more money a little bit later. So they were able to get Jackson Ferris um, because they got Horton with the underdraft. And so number nine is Alex Canario, outfielder in the that we got in the Chris Bryant trade. Number 10, Owen Cassie is an outfielder that we got in the U Darvish trade. 11 is James Triantos, third baseman, 2021 draft. Number 12, Hayden Wensniski is a starting pitcher. Got him this season in the Scott Efros trade. Number 13, DJ Hurts, starting pitcher in the 2019 draft. Number 14, Caleb Killian, starting pitcher in the Chris Bryant trade. And number 15, Moises Ballesteros in the same international draft that they got Christian Hernandez is in 2021. So if you look at this, I'm looking at a list of top 15, and this is what great teams do. They make good trades, they draft good, and they get international picks. And, and if you look at the list, that's what you have all over there, and all of it pretty much has come in the last two years. The only ones are Brennan Davis, the number two, who was in 2018, and then, uh, Moy let's see, uh, there was uh, DJ Hurst's 2019. So two out, of the uh, two out of the top 15 list were gotten in the last two years. That's a huge influx of talent, and the people that formerly occupied those spots, there's still a lot of good talent, 15 through 16 through 30, that just get pushed back a little bit. And so you're seeing a lot of players here with a lot of high upside, okay? And the reason you want that, and, and look here too, I brought this before, in, that, in the World Series team, when they were in the minor leaguers, I could name hitters all day long, Bryant, Schwarber, Torres, Jimenez, uh, Javi. I could name you a ton of hitters. I couldn't name you pitchers. Right. Take a look at how this is distributed, Dustin. This is almost equal in position players to pitchers. And so it's really important that you, you people say, oh, you got like, you know, three outfielders in your top five and you got a lot of outfielders on there. That doesn't mean you got to keep them all. You can use them for trade capital, which is one thing you watch the Dodgers do all the time. You saw the Padres do it to get Juan Soto. So it's okay. And so a guy that was in the top uh, 15, top 20 was uh, Ed Howard, the shortstop. 
he's he's fallen down on the list. Obviously, he got injured. But you have other guys like Christian Hernandez that could take his place. Chris Morrell is not on the prospect list, but he's been up there. But he's another young kid that you have. So it's okay to have guys in multiple positions. Moyes Ballestero, he's doing great. And now you have Miguel Amaya, and it was looking like that that for the Cubs, that catcher was a position of deficiency. Now all of a sudden you're kind of saying, okay, we got a couple of guys in here, and P.J. Higgins is not a bad backup. So I'm just looking at this list right now and saying, like, for all the people that were upset, and, and I get it, I'm a fan. As a fan, when you give up your U Darvish before the season even starts in 2020, you're pissed off, right? You're you're waving the white towel. You, nobody Nobody going to win a division trades their ace. Doesn't happen. No. Okay. I was furious that they couldn't even keep one of those three guys, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo. But you take a look at the return now. PCA, number one on the Baez draft. Kevin Alcantara, number three on the Rizzo draft. You got two guys that are in the uh, Chris Bryant, Alex Canario and Caleb Killian. Um, you you have Owen K- Casey, who's in the U Darvish trade. So all of these trades that we were upset about, I don't know. Is, are you upset still? Is would be my question to Cub fans, knowing what I just said right now about what you were able to get. Are you still upset about it, or do you maybe have more buy-in? I personally have more buy-in because these guys that were traded. The the trade. The key word here is traded. Baez, Bryant, Darvish, and Anthony Rizzo. It's not like they're tearing the league apart at their new addresses. I mean, Rizzo had a really good start, but now he's kind of back to being the Rizzo that we got used to the last couple of years. I mean, Chris Bryant, has he hit a home run at Coors Field yet? Um, you Darvish's games are on so late, I don't even know what he's doing. I mean, the Padres are okay, but they're not running away with the division or anything like that. I mean, probably the best guy that got away. And I mean, at one point, Javi Baez was the worst hitter in baseball. So unless he goes over to 35th and Shields and gets booed by Chicago sports <laughs> fans, does he all of a sudden wake up? Then they stop booing him, and then he went back down into the toilet. Um, you know, Kyle Schwarber is the one that got away. Kyle Schwarber's a guy that would look really good in a Cub uniform playing a little left field and DHing every day. But, okay, but they could have, you know, what would they have gotten for him if they had handled that properly? Uh, that's a good question, and that's the thing is they non-tendered him, which means basically they didn't want to pay him seven million dollars, which is about a weekend worth of cup snakes, and they just let him walk, and they decided to get Jock Peterson, which you know is okay, um, you know, and, and there's other you know trades too, guys. I didn't go through the top thirty list because you know there's not that many people that geek out as much as I do about prospects. Uh, a couple of them we've had on the show, but uh, you know, it, it, it. I just kind of bring that out there because, like I said, Jed. You know, they were, everyone was with the pitchforks and the, uh, you know, the torches with some of the moves that he made. And I think when you, when you put into perspective what's going on, and I've talked about this, and the other thing I see, the, the other key component is I'm seeing a lot of these players improving. And so that, that comes to the development piece. And a lot of these guys are not far away. Once these minor league seasons end, it's going to be a big question mark of who you're going to see come up here. And some of these guys on your on this list, you're going to see Brennan Davis would have been up here. He got injured, but but you start taking a look at some of these guys. You know the you know the maybe Hayden Wazinski or maybe Caleb Killian or some of these guys are going to get a look, and then you start to take a look. You know, question about a lot of the players that you saw start at Myrtle Beach are now in 
Mer uh, South Bend. And a lot of the guys in South Bend are now in Tennessee. So a lot of times, like you saw with Chris Morrell, AAA is always a tough one. You don't sit there and get excited about AAA. Those are for guys that you kind of want to work on a couple things, or those are guys that are, are backups if somebody gets injured. You know, somebody gets injured. Hey, David Bodie, you're a body. You can play Major League Baseball. Come on down. You know, that's what AAA is. So single A and double A is where the action is, and you're seeing postseason runs from all three levels. Yeah, I agree with you. What I really like, Crowley, is I like that some are from trade, some are from draft, and some are international draft. So, listen, let's keep an eye on this list. This is something that I'm sure you and I are going to be grinding about in February and January and December potentially. So we'll keep an eye on that. Really quick, before we preview the next upcoming four games that the Cubs have coming up over the next four days, um, some news this morning from the Marquee Sports Network. Joe Girardi is being brought in as a game analyst, and he'll be in the booth at Wrigley uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the games against the Brewers. And just a little plug, he will be a guest on the Mullion Haw Show tomorrow at 8.42 a.m. So, Crowley, the question I brought up on the air with the guys is I was wondering out loud, I believe Joe Girardi, it's safe to say, was the runner-up to David Ross when the Cubs moved on for their next manager. Would you agree with that? I don't, uh, I'm not sure. I, okay. I, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to remember back when it happened. I think there was a hitting coach a Hispanic hitting coach from Houston that I think was the number two. Yeah, but I think he got, then all of a sudden the cheating thing came up, I think, at that point. So I think that's what knocked him out. Regardless, the question I brought up was this. At that time, we had on the Cubs, we still had Rizzo, we still had Baez, we still had Bryant. Um, I believe we might have still had you Darvish, and we had Kyle Schwarber. And could Joe Girardi have managed things or been a different voice where today we still might have two or three of those guys and the Cubs might still be challenging for a division. Not challenging for a World Series, but challenging for a division. Now, I think Joe Girardi would be the wrong guy where the Cubs were starting this year, where I think David Ross is a good guy for the job. But just your thoughts, Crowley, really quick, because I did tease on the Mully and Haw show that we would be recording the podcast today, and I would get your opinion and another reason for people to listen to this podcast. Um, I would say this. It's kind of funny that you bring it up, because I remember after Dusty Baker was fired after the 2006 season, there were two managers, the, the one, two horses in the race, so to speak. And one of them was Lou Pinella and the other was Joe Girardi. And at the time I was talking to my, some of my cup friends, I'm like, Joe Girardi's smart. He's, you know, he was like David Ross, his catcher. Everybody always said, this guy's going to be a future manager and he's going to be very good. And my friends who were a little bit older were saying, no, Lou Pinella's the guy, Cincinnati, Seattle, uh, the Bronx is burning, the old Yankees. And I said, you know what? To me, I feel like the game has passed Lou by. And I, I sure enough, that's what I truly felt happened. I think with Joe Girardi, very similar. I think when he was the man, and obviously with the Yankees, he played with some, he had some great teams, but I think he was the perfect manager and he was kind of right at that right, right guy at the right place at the right time. But I think as players change and methods of coaching change and stuff like that, like when all of a sudden you remember when he came for his interview, he had like binders, right? Like no offense yeah. to anybody out there. It, it, that would be like me walking into a business and saying like, I have PowerPoint. 
like nobody cares anymore. Like what, what, that's, that's like, you know, <laughs> you know, no, no, it's to me, it, nothing to Joe, but I think that the game has passed him by. I think the players are different and they, they need a different kind of coaching. And I know some people are, eh, I use the old guy and that's all that matters. And I don't think that they respond to that. And, and I, I think that that was kind of the problem with Chili Davis when he came as the hitting coach is he rubbed a lot of the players the wrong way with the way he kind of came in. And it's a different kind of player. I get it. You may not like that. You may not like that Sparky Anderson may not be the manager that he was back in his heyday or something like that. Or Lou Pinella or those guys getting, you know, Lou Pinella getting in a fight with Rob Dibble in the clubhouse in the locker. No, times have changed. And I think that to me, sometimes I think the biggest problem is sticking around with these old guys that have done it before thinking just because they can do it, they've done it before. Look at Tony La Russa. Look at um, Dusty Baker in Houston. I think with better managers, those teams would be performing better. Younger, more vibrant, new ideas, those type of things. That's my opinion. All right. Well, I don't. I, I think you make a lot of solid points. I think I just personally think that David Ross might have been the wrong guy right then. I think he is the right guy right now, but we'll never know. But that's partly why we do sports talk radio. It's partly why we do podcasts like this. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is the first year of the podcast, so it's season one. It is episode number 25. We called this one Winning Ugly as the Cubs take two of three from the Nationals. They got the series win earlier today. We're taping this podcast on Wednesday. And on Thursday, Crowley, the Cubs will be playing afternoon baseball once again, a makeup game against the Orioles in Baltimore. This game was from June the 8th. Yeah, you remember it didn't go well. And Baltimore has been the one of the surprise teams of this season. It's they are 61 and 55. So they're six games over 500. They're only half a game out of that final wild card spot in the AL. They're six and four in the last 10. If they had that same record in the Cubs division, they would be right behind St. Louis. And trust me, they, they've been playing a lot better teams than St. Louis and Milwaukee and the Cubs have been playing. So they, they are a good team. Make no doubt about it. This is not going to be an easy series. It's only one game. So you're just kind of completing it, but they're six and four in their last 10. Uh, I think we're still TBD on Baltimore, but Adrian Sampson is towing the rubber. And God Almighty, can we just get this guy a win, please? Can yeah, we get him ten off. runs? He needs he needs a W. He he needs some uh, runners in scoring position. Lucky, <laughs> we need to get this guy. I, I'm all in on Adrian Sampson. I'm pulling for the young man. You know, in in Cincinnati, last time out, he didn't make it. Four innings pitch, six hit, two earned runs. Three walks. So that was more walks than he's normally had. In Miami, he went six innings pitched against Miami. Six hits, three runs. In San Francisco, he struggled a little bit, but so did everybody, if you remember. That was four innings pitched, five hits, four runs. But in general, this guy has been giving you anywhere from like five to seven innings and giving up two to three runs usually. And he can't get a win. Get this guy. I win. Yeah, let's yeah, let's get this guy a win. Absolutely right. So after that, they then will come back home to Wrigley Field, start a little bit of a homestand. They've got the Brewers first and then the Cardinals, as we talked about in the last segment. Joe Girardi will be in the TV booth for Marquee on this one. And Friday, we've got Keegan Thompson on the hill for the Northsiders. Dustin, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit surprised that they went with Keegan. Uh, not a great outing last time out. And so I was hoping that you kind of give a kid a breather, skip the spot in the rotation. Uh, Mark Leiter's up. He's kind of been doing a lot of that utility role. 
But I think the fact that they're playing 31 games in 30 days it probably uh, does have an effect on that. You don't want to like sit there and start running your pitchers ragged. Um, so with Keegan, the last time out, not pretty at all. 1.2 innings, two hits, four runs, three walks. So he doesn't make it out of the second inning. Um, before that against Washington, six innings pitch, five hits, one run. Um, and then against St. Louis, he struggled 4.2 innings pitch, 10 hits, five earned runs. So we've talked about this wall potentially that these guys are going to hit. And that's, that's kind of where I'm concerned a little bit is, is I, I would have liked to have given him a little time off. Uh, Aaron Ashby is pitching for the Brewers. And since we last saw the Brewers, uh, they are really been, they've really been struggling. Um, that offense was never really that great. Uh, even when they were doing really well, um, the pitching staff has had a lot of injuries. And then the other thing, remember they trade Josh Hader. That's kind of another little bit of a white flag. Like if you're going for it, you're going to trade your lockdown closer. So that, that's kind of where you look at it and you're kind of like, yeah. So they've kind of been fading and the Cardinals have, have, have kind of gone past them a little bit. And so when you take a look at uh, some of these guys, you say to yourself, okay, who are the Cubs going to face? Aaron Ashby, I mean, like he's not – remember that three-headed monster that they had in the beginning? That was really, really difficult. Uh, Ashby against the Cardinals last time out, went six innings, gave three hits, two runs. Before that, against Cincinnati, 4.2 innings, three hits, four runs. And so he's kind of – he's been all right. He's been really good, but not anybody that you're kind of freaking out about. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I'm looking forward to this series. I, I, I heard Rick Sutcliffe I, – I keep referring to some of the guys on marquee, but I heard Rick Sutcliffe say, and I, and I have to agree with him, you know, the Cubs have been playing better baseball right now, and I believe that the Brewers and Cardinals are going to see a different team this time around than the last time they faced off against them. It's, it's, it's hard to tell because of the level of competition that the Cubs have faced. When, when you sit there and you still make base and running mistakes like Rafael Ortega make, when you still make costly errors like McKinstry makes, uh, with that back end of the bullpen still in flux after all the trades, it's hard to see what you really have here. So, I mean, you know, let's take a look with what Milwaukee does. Let, let, let's see. You know, again, there, there are, is Milwaukee fantastic? I mean, they're, they're, they're okay. Like I said, fading a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'll be curious, you know, they're two back of the Cardinals right now at 62 and 53, they're five and five in their last 10. So it's not like they're lighting the world on fire. Right. This division is all set up for the Cardinals, unfortunately to win, but I like the idea of Keegan and Stroman and Steele facing the Brewers. I like that. I, I like that from a developmental standpoint. And I, and I think Saturday was Stroman and Freddie Peralta. That one could get a little, a little saucy, if you will. Yeah, Fred, you know, with, with Marcus, we saw him uh, against the Nationals and, you know, four unearned runs. Is it his fault? No. I, like I said, I just want him to be a little bit more economical with his pitches. That's that's kind of my big thing is is you have all this great stuff. Go at some guys. You know what I mean? If a guy's batting 188, you don't have to throw 12 pitches to him. Just just put, you know, fastball right on the inside part of the hands and see what happens. That's just see kind what of happens. My, yeah, my, I agree right. with you. I think it's a great. I think it's a great way to look at it, Crowley. Totally, again, totally agree with you there. It just reminds me, like I said earlier, you Darvish, Freddie Peralta has been had an injury that kind of affected him, and so he's kind of building up his arm strength again. We we went through this with Stroman, remember? Uh, but the last three starts, four innings pitched, five innings pitched, three point two innings pitched. 
So he's just kind of getting back there. When he's healthy, he's absolutely he's he's a pretty filthy pitcher. But I, I, I you know, how you know it, sometimes coming back, it's just not that easy right now. He was right. he was out from about May twenty second to August third. Right, and then we move into the Sunday matchup. We get Justin Steele back out there, and he's just been fantastic of late. When you talk about the story of twenty twenty two in the Cubs season, Justin Steele has to be at the top of the list of guys that you're sitting here going, this is this has been a breakout year, and you really maybe start to think that can this guy develop even into more than what people thought. Against Washington, six innings pitch, five hits, zero earned runs. He faced Washington that uh, a little bit before. That was on the Tuesday when they were at Wrigley, six innings pitch, eight hits, two earned runs. Uh, against Miami, he only went 4.2 innings, four hits, zero runs. So those are the last three starts. But, again, just a phenomenal season by him so far, and, and you just – want to see him keep going what can this guy keep doing all right Crowley prediction time we got four games until you and I get back together early next week so we've got uh, Orioles on Thursday and then we've got a Friday Saturday Sunday set at Wrigley Field give me a prediction on the uh, four games if you why don't you go first this time hmm let's go ahead and go with I think the Cubs are going to Beat the Orioles. I, I, I'm praying for Adrian Sampson, and that's why I'm doing it. And I say they take two or three from the Brewers for a 2-2 two, two split. 2-2 two, two split. Wait, 2 or three, two or three from the Brewers? I'm talking four in total. So two or three from the Brewers, and I think they're going to beat the Orioles on that one game okay. tomorrow. All right, so you got them winning three out of the next four. I am not going to be as uh, – ambitious as you. I think the Cubs are going to compete. I do think the Cubs are going to look different to the Brewers this time around, but I'm going to go, I'm going to take it safe. I'm going to go two and two in this one, but obviously Crowley, I hope you're right, but I think three or four would be, uh, would be pretty ambitious at this point (laughs) because I just think, I just think some of these young guys are, are starting to wear down. I spent how much time complaining this podcast and then I pick them three, one, but that's a Cubs fan, right? That's a Cubs fan. Are you uh, are you heading out to any of these games, Crowley? I will be there Sunday, and an invitation for anyone. There's still tickets available for the Club 400 rooftop party. Uh, oh. We are going to have uh, uh, an absolute rager. There's going to be food and beverages up on the rooftop, and then we are extending it. Most of the time you go to the rooftop, you're out after the game's over. Not Club 400. We are going to be on the rooftop afterwards, Players will be coming on the rooftop, and they are going. We are going to have uh, Taylor McGregor interviewing some of the players from Marquee Network. We're going to have another set of food coming, so that's going to be some output wings. We're going to have some pizza afterwards, so we're going to have lunch, dinner, alcohol throughout. You're going to get a picture with Patrick Wisdom overlooking beautiful historic Wrigley Field, and all the money is going to go to Club 400, which is doing a program right now to help people that are really kind of almost like a make a wish for Cub fans would be the well, best that- way I could describe it. So I'm inviting people to go to the club 400 cubs.com website, or if you want, you can email me at uh, fly the W six seventy at gmail.com. And I can pass the information for you, but there's going to be the bleacher bum band from Chicago is going to be up there. Uh, Patrick wisdom, Taylor McGregor. There's going to be some surprise guests showing up. So if you have nothing to do Sunday, I know, Dustin, you're going to be in Vegas betting big on the Cubs. I'll I would be on say my way you, back. Yeah, unfortunately. Gosh, I would love to be there. Darn. 
If you have nothing to do on Sunday and you want to really give to a, a charity that's near and dear to my heart, Club 400, the best best Cub fans helping Cub fans, the best charity there is, come on out and, and come to Wrigley Field. And this is going to be an experience like no other. One other programming note really quick here. I've been talking like crazy about the prospects. We had Max Toma on. We've had BK on. We've had Cole Franklin. We've been The South Bend Cubs have been awesome with us. They have four games in a row on Marquee Network starting tonight. So please tune in, give our guys a listen, and, and don't just take my word for what these players can do. Watch for yourself. Absolutely. Well, Crowley, I look forward to a good, fun Cubs next four days. Look forward to talking to you on Monday, getting a recap of that party. I am uh, shoving off to Vegas, so if uh, anybody's going to be out there, Molly Haw and I will be out at Circa Sports and then a special show Saturday early out there from Stadium Swim, so looking forward to checking that out. This again is a wrap. It was Season 1, Episode 25. We called it Winning Ugly as the Cubs did take two of three from the Nationals, but it was not very easy. Make sure to follow us on all our socials. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. You can follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW. And as always, you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com.